0: interesting story of Naaman the general. 2nd Kings chapter 5 and let's look at verse 1. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. And by all means go, the king of Aram replied. I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left and taking with him ten talents of silver and six thousand shekels of gold and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? Now when Elisha, the man of God, heard the king, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went to, went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him. Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry. He said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. (laughs) I like the sensation and the charismatics. Didn't like the word. (laughs) <laughs> Are not Abanar and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than any of the waters of Israel? Couldn't I just wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in rage. You like that? He's dying. God wants to heal him. And he don't like the way God wants to heal him. Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. Hallelujah. Now, Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, listen, if the prophet had told you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? How much more than just wash and be cleansed? And so he went down and dipped himself into the Jordan seven times, as the man of God told him. And his flesh was restored, and he became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept now a gift from your servant. We'll use as a title this morning, Naaman's plight and heaven's might. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the Bible. We thank you for the Holy Scripture. And, Lord, we thank you that you speak to our hearts today. By your Spirit, you take the sacred text and you speak it to us personally and individually. You help us understand it, and for those that are willing, you give us the grace to apply it and to live it out. Now, Lord, speak to us through this interesting story. Help us to learn the many, many principles and truths that are here. In Jesus' name, and everyone said this morning we want to take a closer look at the four main characters of this story. want to glean insights from both for both being used by God and receiving from God. Now Naaman had a lot going for him. He's described here as a great man. He was highly regarded. He was a successful general. He was a brave soldier. He had wealth and power popularity he was esteemed by king and country so much going for him but he had leprosy naturally speaking he had incurable disease which would bring about certain death you know there's some things money can't buy there there's some things that all the influence and pull that we have cannot help us in any way shape or fashion but here at naaman he receives an amazing miracle so amazing that hundreds of years later, the Lord Jesus talks about this miracle in his teachings. So wonderful that thousands of years later that you and I can glean principles and get inspiration from this story. It's a great miracle, but even more um, interesting is the fact that Naaman was a Gentile. He was a foreigner. He wasn't one of God's people. He, wasn't, um, he didn't have the promises of God. He wasn't connected to the covenants. He didn't have the ministers of God. You know, this is Mission Sunday, so it's good to um, just take note that from the beginning, God's heart has been for the world. Aren't we glad this morning of the Gospel is for every person in every nation? Aren't we glad this morning of the good news of Jesus? It's for you, and it's for you, and it's for me. It's the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ and the great salvation... That He offers whosoever will. It's for everyone. The Bible says whosoever will, you can come and you can receive the forgiveness, the grace and mercy of God. Whosoever will, you can come and you can be received by the true and living God when you come His way and believe His Word. We love the Bible so much. John 3 and 16. Everybody, let's look at it together. For God so loved, so loved the world, so loved the world. The the lost world, the fallen world, the the for God so loved the world that He gave. He didn't just give this. he He gave His very best. He gave His one and only Son, His only begotten Son, so that whosoever, that means you and that means me, regardless of where you're at, what you've done, how many times you've tried or failed, God says that whosoever believes. Not just mentally believing, but in the heart receiving. Jesus Christ, you can have eternal life and you don't have to perish because of your sins. But you can be a son and daughter of the living God for God so loved the world. And now, the task and the commission for God's people are marching orders. The divine call that we have been entrusted to is to go into all the world and to preach this gospel. And to tell this story and to do our part, because all of us have a part to do to carry out the good news of a loving Savior to a lost in a dying world. Let's look at character number one this morning and we'll call her the faithful servant. The faithful servant. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Look at verses 2 and 3 hallelujah glory to God oh I'm just don't mind me I'm just scanning the scope here don't mind me I'm just scanning looking want to see who check this place out all right okay all right don't worry I'm just um, doing what I do hallelujah Verses 2 and 3. Now bands from Aaron had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. Verse 3. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Very unlikely evangelist. Amen? Never underestimate the power Of a simple witness for Jesus Christ. From this child's lips to the king's ears. The words that she speaks. Again, a very unlikely candidate for God to use. She has no pedigree, no power, no position to speak of it. In fact, she was a captive. She was a slave girl. She was a servant. She could have easily been intimidated or angry or unwilling to help or undesiring to care or to bless. But instead, she became the spark that ignited this international miracle. A mighty miracle. You see, faithful servants, they're not quenched or they're not denied by circumstances around them from being faithful to the God who saved them. And a quiet witness creates a chain reaction. And again, from her mouth, to a king's ear, to another king's ear, to a prophet. One word of truth can change a person's life. Men are so often looking for great talents. They want to see great gifts. They want to see sensational wows. But I'll tell you, God is looking this morning not so much for greater talents, but for greater faithfulness and willingness. To men and women that were willing to spend and be spent for the cause of Jesus Christ. It's been said over again that the best ability is availability. And, and we see how this young lady that, that, that she took the opportunity that she had. And she spoke the word of the Lord. And she shared. I mean, after all, she could have belittled what she had. Or she could have been embittered by how life had treated her, bringing her to that place. She might have been so embittered that she didn't care. Or she might have been fearful that her words wouldn't be received. But bless the Lord that none of those things moved her. None of those things defeated or silenced her. Instead, she testified about the power of the God of Israel. She politely but confidently boasted in the Lord. And then the Lord took it from there. If you give Him your best, He'll take it from there. If you give Him your service, He'll take it from there. If you'll sow your seed or speak that word or pray that prayer, He can't answer the prayer that's not prayed. He'll take it from there. Never belittle or allow the enemy to belittle what you have to serve God with. Because if you belittle it, you'll tend to bury it. But if you'll give it, God can use it. And lives will be touched by it. One writer made the illustration of an acorn. He said, you know, it's a small thing. Really, it's a nut. we got a lot of small nuts. But a lot of small things, a nut to be exact. And the little acorn, he says, when it gets planted in the ground, he says it's hard to believe. The potential of a full-sized oak tree is in that tiny thing. But when it's planted, oh, the potential, the phenomenal potential within. In the same way, our faithful efforts when we share the Gospel and we serve the Lord, there is potential for God to take that act of kindness, for God to take that simple and sincere witness, for God to take that believing prayer and for God to use it to create a chain reaction that'll move mountains, that'll heal brokenness, that'll bring people into the kingdom of God. Never ever belittle the talent you have or the opportunity you have to witness or serve the Lord Jesus Christ because if you bury it, it'll stay buried. But if you say, Lord, I'll give you my loaves and fish. it might be all that I have, but I'll take it and I'll use it for your glory. God says, that's all I need. I can take it from there. Tell your neighbor he'll take it from there so never belittle what you have but secondly don't allow the condition or the circumstance that you're in to embitter you towards God or toward God's people she wasn't in the place of her choosing she was a slave but she didn't cop an attitude she stayed sweet when many would have turned sour Again, don't allow the circumstance that you're in, the condition of your surroundings, to hinder you from serving, from quenching the testimony that you have to give. But wherever you are, bloom where you're planted. Make up your mind, I'm going to be a blessing. I'm going to be faithful to the Master regardless of my location or my situation or how I got there. i got to recognize this, wherever this is for you, this is my mission field. So in your place, among your people, be God's instrument and watch God use your life. For what you do matters and what you have is very important. You've got something. You've got something that the Lord desires to use and the Lord desires you. So if you've got a story to tell in the name of Jesus, tell it. If you've got a testimony of the goodness of God as the conversation opens, share it. If you've got a gift to give, give it and let God use it. If you've got an offering to bring, bring it and watch God multiply. But whatever you do, don't bury it. Don't become embittered. That you swallow it, share it, and use it. Our first character this morning is a faithful servant. Here's a young captive girl in a foreign land. We don't know her name. We don't know her parentage. We don't even know her, her, um, her, her proper age. But she took the right position towards the place where life had put her. Many times we allow certain things to silence our faith, to quench our joy, and to hinder our obedience. But take a message from this faithful servant. She said, I'll let none of these things move me. I'm not here because I want to be here. I wish I wasn't here, but as long as I am here. I'm going to boast in the Lord. I'm going to be used of God and I'm going to make every day an opportunity to serve my Savior and my King. Can you say amen? amen? This first lady, this little faithful servant girl, number one, she had a compassion. She was, she loved, she loved, she loved, even to the fact of loving the ones that had kidnapped her. She loved, she loved. God give us a love for others, a love for the hurting, a love for the lost, a love for the struggling. But secondly, she had a confidence in the Lord. It's amazing the faith she had. She didn't preach a long message, she just confidently shared the fact if my master could get down to where the true and living God reigns, if my master could go down where the prophet of God is, I know he'll be healed. We need to be a confident people in the Lord Jesus Christ. We might not have the answers, but we know the one that does. We might not in ourselves be able to do this or that, but we can boast in Jesus, can we not? Oh, maybe the preacher don't know that much, and maybe in ourselves we're limited. But oh, I know a God who loves you and has power to transform you. He can heal you and He can help you. I don't know a lot about me, but I certainly can be confident in Him. And it doesn't have to be loud, it do not have to be long, but it needs to be sincere, and it needs to be Declared, and we see this young little girl, a faithful servant. She's compassionate towards those around her. She's confident in the Lord that bought her. And she's uncontained by the conditions that surround her. Again, she's not in the place of her choosing. That speaks to you and I this morning. Don't let circumstances contaminate your spirit. Don't let experiences cripple your call. Don't allow those things that are beyond you, that are unliked by you, to paralyze your ministry. We think of Genesis 50, where Joseph's able to look at his brothers and say, you know, the enemy might have meant all this for evil. But God turned it for good. Number one, the first character. We see a faithful servant girl. And we pray, oh God, help us to learn from the example of this life. And let us see how God can use even the smallest efforts if they're given in faith and they're given in love. Secondly, our second character, we'll call this the helpless king. Look at verse 7. The helpless king. Man, you know, you can be a king and still helpless. Amen? Amen. I mean, you, you can have all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't but hump Humpty Dumpty together again. Oh, no. Because kings of the earth are limited. Kings of the earth might have authority, but their authority is limited. They might have resources and riches, but all those things are limited. But, oh, there's the king of kings. There is one that doesn't have a limit and knows no boundaries. But I want you to see this. Verse 7. As soon as the king of Israel reached the letter, he tore off his robes and he said, Oh my God, what kind of letter is this? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow, he's trying to pick a fight. He knows no man can do this. What's he think? He's trying to stir up a quarrel. We see the limitations and the frustrations of man. In the picture of this helpless king. You know man's methods and efforts apart from God. Are weak. Ultimately they'll be futile. It reminds me of the old story of. Um, how many remember Charlie Brown? Anybody remember Charlie Brown? Sure you do. I know you're not that holy. Come on we all remember Charlie Brown. Amen. Why is everybody always picking on me? You remember that. Well one day Charlie Brown. He's talking to his buddy Linus. And he's, he's pouring out his heart about his continual sense of inadequacy. So I feel inadequate all the time, Charlie Brown says. He moaned, he says, you know, Linus, I think it goes all the way back to the time, the moment I was born. It seems as if the moment I set foot on the stage of life, they took one look at me and said, just not right for the part. I think many times life challenges us with roles in situations where we say, I'm just not fit for the part. I think many times if we're leaning on the arm of flesh and we're leaning on our own will and our own desires, life will hit us, life will attack us, life will challenge us. There's overwhelming, there's exhaustion, it's too much. I just don't feel fit for the part. I don't feel I can fulfill this role in this king. He's given something that usually he speaks and things happen. Usually he has money that has no limits, but here he is faced with the situation where even if all is kingliness, to no avail. Men have limits. In the fields of government, they have limits. In the fields of medicine, thank God for what they can do, but they have limits. Certainly in the field of the Spirit, spirituality, men are so limited in society. They're so limited. And you see the frustrations. Here, Naaman has a need. Her name and goes to the wrong answer. Isn't it amazing where so often people have a problem, people have a struggle, but they go to the wrong place for an answer. They knock on the wrong door for a miracle. Oh, the little girl didn't say go to the king. The king don't know any more than the other king. He said get to the prophet of God. It's not so much, where are you running for your help? Who were you looking to to transform your life and turn things around? You can knock on the door of man and he'll smile and take your money. But three months later, you're back on your back again. Oh my God, you can try this and you can try that. But sooner or later, it's time to stop trying that which is feeble and false. And it's time to come to the living God and say, Lord, whatever you say, I'll surrender. Whatever you tell me to do, I will obey it. Hallelujah. The frustration. And lives are frustrated. And lives are discouraged. And lives are exhausted. Situations and problems and struggles. And the dope didn't do it. And the drug didn't do it. And that relationship didn't do it. Oh, you're looking to the wrong king. You're looking to the wrong, oh, don't you know the Bible says that unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain that build it. Unless the Lord keeps watch over the city at night, the watchmen, the security guards, they better just go to sleep, but they're watching in vain. Psalm 27 and verse one, let's all look at it because sooner or later you've got to get God in the equation of your situation if you want the blessing that God has for you. Let's look unless the Lord builds the house unless the Lord builds unless the Lord builds they labor in that build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. (laughs) Tell your neighbor, you better get Jesus in that plan. You better get Jesus in that plan. You better get Jesus in that plan. Oh, life's a hard life when you don't want Jesus in that plan. Life can be frustrating. Life can be limiting. God, life can be despairing and disappointing when Jesus is not in that plan because men experience limitations and frustrations when they fail to look to the Lord and His plan and His principles and His power. A helpless king. He speaks to you and I of all the many, many agencies that boast. we got an answer, but they don't. That people look to for help, but they're limited. Men experience limitations and frustrations when they fail to look to the Lord and His good plan and His eternal principles and His sovereign power. For I would suggest to you this morning that men and society need more than a new legislation or a new freedom or a new quota or a new law. They need a new heart. They need to find the true and the living God. They need to walk in His ways and submit to His Word. He said, but if you come under My yoke then, the load will be easy and life can find some rest and life can find some peace. This is the cry of frustration and desperation and it's heard throughout the land. People are angry. People are uptight. They're demonstrating here. They're revolting there. They're doing crazy things over here, but there's an emptiness that nothing else fills. As men labor in vain to fill emptiness and find significance and forgiveness, where they try to build lives while ignoring and rejecting the architect and the giver of life. We see frustration and agitation. Even some desperation where we see the big shot stars that have killed themselves out of desperation. Desperation. And of looking and having finding out riches doesn't make it well. And relationships doesn't make it well. And prestige and popularity doesn't make it well. For there is a vacuum in the heart of every man that only God can fill. For you were made by God and you were made for God. And to try to fill that area of life with anything but God will always lead to frustration and limitation and confusion and deception as men and women look for satisfaction and meaning and fulfillment and justice. And we learn that without coming to the recognition that the living God is not the one to avoid, but He is the one to embrace if you desire to fill that spot. A faithful servant and a helpless king who tore his robes because He wasn't fit for the role. And so often we look at things and we lean on things and we put our trust in things that aren't fit for the role of forgiving us, of cleansing us, of healing us, and making us whole. There's a faithful servant in this story. And she ignited an international miracle that we still speak about today. And God looking for more faithful sons and daughters That'll serve him wherever they're placed. They'll be faithful to speak the word, to express the kindness, to have God's compassion. Secondly, there's a helpless king and that speaks of the limitations and the frustrations of men in a world trying to fill that which only God can fill, trying to do and accomplish what only God can, the fulfillment of true, of true freedom. And fulfillment is found in God. And thirdly, you have a hearing prophet. Look at verses 8 through 10, the hearing prophet. Oh, God. Oh, God. Hallelujah. A hearing prophet. Now, when Elisha, the man of God, heard, God give us ears to hear. When he heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent a message. Why have you torn your robes? Elisha knew the king wasn't fit for that role. Hallelujah. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me and he'll know that there is a prophet in Israel. Where do you take your burden? Where do you take your emptiness? Where do you take that need? Where do you take it? It's everything that determines if it gets healed, if it gets whole. Look at verse 9. So Naaman, this great general, Wealthy, prestigious. He went with horses and chariots and he stopped at the door of Elisha's house. He's at the prophet's house. Knock, knock, knock. He probably didn't even knock himself. Send a servant. Generals don't knock. Elisha didn't even get up. Can you imagine that? A five-star general coming down. He's got letters from two kings. He's got gold out there. My Lord. Prophet. He didn't even get off that lazy boy chair. He said, I just... I'll sit here, brother. Elijah sent a messenger and said to him, "Go, <laughs> go jump in the lake. No, go, <laughs> go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored and you'll be cleansed. Seven times, full surrender, complete obedience, total humility, seven times." A humility of that dirty old river. Seven times. Because God says, you can't approach me and tell me how to move. I'm the one that tells you this is how we're going to do it. A hearing prophet. Go to the next verse. Go right over to that next verse. Is there verse 10, verse 11, whatever? But Naaman, now think about this. You're dying. You have, there's no cure for your disease. It kind of sounds like sin, doesn't it? But there's no cure for your disease. And there's someone that has the cure. And he asks you to do something that is not hard to do. And you're dying. And you know you're dying. And because you don't like the answer, you reject. Wow. But Naaman went away angry. We know this really applies to sinners, okay? We know that. But let me talk to you saints for a second. So many people in ministry fall away from ministry because they have a preconceived idea how God is going to work and what God is going to do. And when things don't work out like that, they just go back and forget it all. One of the greatest dangers to faith for Christians is having preconceived ideas. And then when God doesn't do it how I thought he could have, should have, or would have, I get offended and I just say, forget that. So, I mean, we don't want to just pick on the sinners. Let's, let's give the saints something to think about. Can you say amen? Your name went away angry. Listen, I'm dying, brother. I, I jump in eight times. I'll stand on my head. Amen? I mean, I'll give you the, you know, I'll, I'll give his names of the states on my head underwater. I mean, I'm dying. There's no cure for this. It's a cancer. I'm dying. Whatever you say, brother. I mean, you know what I mean? But Naaman went away angry and he said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me. Like the sensationalism. I like to be dramatic. God's not always into that stuff. But the flesh likes that. Flesh likes that. I don't want the word of the Lord, but give me some sensationalism. Another sermon for another day. Let's stop there. Let's stop there. This is a hearing prophet. They're a third character. Hearing prophet. Now, this should be a picture of the church of the Lord Jesus. After all, we are the one that had the message for the ills of man. Again, a picture of the church for we are to be a prophetic people that are able to hear the voice of God. The prophet heard what was happening. He heard the need. He heard the struggle. He heard the frustration in the king's heart. He heard the desperation in the general's life. And a prophetic people have to hear. They hear the voice of heaven and they hear the hurt of men. A prophetic people have the ability to hear what God is saying and hear the cry of men that need God and are struggling, hurting. And they know how to respond with a clear and accurate authoritative word from God. Let's not close our ears to their cry, but instead let's open our voice to their need. And speak the message of healing and health and transformation. How can they hear if no one speaks to them? How can they believe that there's no word that goes forth and tells them He loves you? And you don't have to live like that. And you don't have to have the guilt and shame. The blood of Jesus can cleanse you. The power of God can transform you. There's more to life. You can have it in Jesus' name. It's abundant life if you'll come to Him and submit to Him and serve Him. It was compassionate, yet it was courageous, the voice of a hearing prophet. It has to be compassionate because God is the God of all compassion. It has to be compassionate because when we hear heaven's heart and we hear the hurt of man, something moves within us. Something of the love and mercy of God It's compassionate, yet it's courageous. We live in an age where people don't always want the truth of the gospel. They're dying and on their way to a crisis eternity like Naaman. But I go away angry rather than receive a message I don't want to receive. And we see here, after Elisha speaks, God's life-saving, compassionate, full of mercy answer. The word of the Lord was a life-saving word. Yet Naaman hears it, just like the world. And he didn't like God's man, he didn't like God's message, and he certainly didn't like God's method. Just like today, can you say amen? I mean, there's a lot of people where truth is not always applauded in this age. I mean, both sinner and saint. How many sinners, you know, that um, have their own idea how God should work and how God should grade them? And how God should let them in? Just like today. This is all written down. I'm not not even shooting off the top of my head here. Like today, how many saints do you know? I want God's blessing, but not God's rule. I want God's benefits, but not God's limitations and lordship. I want to claim the good promises, but ignore the principles and commands that govern those promises. But what are the people of God to do in such an age where the world thinks we've missed it and so many even in the church no longer want to hear it? Are we to act in a way that impresses and appeases the proud and the arrogant of this world? What did Naaman want? I want a sensation. I want you to do something fun. I want to excite. I brought money. Can't you just come out? But God doesn't work the way man wants him to work. God doesn't rewrite the Gospel because man can give a bigger offering or man can get a letter from the king. (laughs) What are we to do? Are we to act in a way that impresses and appeases the proud and the arrogant of this world? Or do we faithfully carry out our divine responsibility to represent God accurately? To speak His Word clearly and to express his heart sincerely without apology compassionately yet courageously. There is no other way to heaven but through Jesus Christ. Muhammad's not the way and Buddha's not the name. The Blessed Mother is not the way. Jesus said, I am the way. The truth and the life. You don't get to heaven because you know the king or you have a letter from the bishop. You don't get to heaven because you can buy it with your riches and your offering. Oh, the only way, dip seven times. The only way is to receive Christ and surrender one's life fully to the Lord Jesus. Compassionately, yet courageously, the hearing prophet was able to hear from heaven but also hear the hurt of man. He was able to hear the word that God would have him to speak. And he knew he could not adjust that word to who the audience was. That he had no liberty in himself. Lord, I know this is what you told me to say, but you know, he's got a big offering. Can I, can I make it maybe just dip two times in a river of your choice? And I said, no, 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 no. There has to be a courage along with the compassion of the church of Jesus Christ. You know about 10 years ago we took the boys to Boston for like a long weekend. Boston's a neat place. Nice little city, Boston. Got some great bakeries, have a real good children's museum, aquarium, and lots of history. Obviously, Boston, a lot of history. One of the places I remember going to, we went by Paul Revere's house or his silversmith shop. You remember Paul Revere, that the hero of the revolution, right? What do he say, the British are coming? The British are coming. Amen. And I think about Paul Revere. <laughs> he sounded the alert His his concern was not popularity. His concern was not the applause. His concern was to wake up the people. But he took seriously the coming of the British. And he knew if they were caught unready, it would be disastrous. In the same way, those that are to speak forth the words of God must speak the word not for the applause of man or the popularity of a congregation, but because they believe justice is coming, that God is coming. Men are going to come before a living God one day. They have to preach a message because they have to realize this is the only message. And if people are caught off guard, God is coming and people are searching. And the role of the church to have a heart of compassion, but yet a courage and the proclamation that will clearly and affectionately, accurately, yet with authority, declare the Gospel freely, clearly, simply that men might be saved. May we have ears that hear and hearts that care and a voice that speaks. First Peter 3 and 15. 1 Peter 3 and 15. But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. And here's the word of the church. Always be ready. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asked you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness and respect. The prophet of God represents the church. We should have a hearing ear. We've got to hear what heaven is saying. We've got to hear what heaven is saying. We also need to hear how men are groaning and how men are hurting. And we take that word from heaven. And we speak it compassionately, yet courageously, accurately to the need of men. They might not always want it. They might say, no, act this way. This is what we want. But as God's voice, we have no no right to do anything but speak it as God would give it. Elisha was used of God Number one, listen, he had a hearing ear. And if you want to be used of God, you've got to have a hearing ear. What are you going to hear? Hear the cry of man and hear the word of heaven. Hear the cry from the hearts of people that are hurting, of people that are lost, of people that are so lost that they're they, all oh, folks. It's crazy to see how people are living. Trying to find that fulfillment. Trying to find meaning. Trying to find their loss. I need to have a hearing ear that I might hear the cry of man and I might hear the Word from heaven. Because God is looking for vessels this morning that He can use to speak forth His Word in season. That He can use of the simple act of kindness. A simple invitation. A simple expression of the love and mercy and the salvation of God. He had a hearing ear and He had an obedient voice. And the church is constantly... Under attack in this area. If we would just water things down a bit. If instead of just getting a word from heaven. And telling Naaman clearly what the Lord the Almighty. The one, the only one that can heal. Of that incurable disease. Instead of clearly speaking that word. Let's take a poll from all the Naamans. And let's ask the Naamans of the world. How would you want the prophet to speak to you? But instead, there's an obedient voice that speaks clearly, compassionately, and courageously without watering it down. But oh, that our gospel would be a passionate but a pure message and only that can lives be changed. And thirdly, a sensitive heart. A sensitive heart. A heart that's not callous, not indifferent. It's easy just to get callous in the situations that we're in. I think of that little girl again. A kidnapped. Slave. So easy just to get frustrated. I don't want to be here. Why did God put me here? I made it, God, so I'm not going to serve God. But instead, she had a sensitive heart. And even to her captor, she had a compassion. That said, oh, only if my master could get down to the prophet. He don't have to die the slow, ugly death of leprosy. He can see the healing power of the living God who heals even beyond the borders and people of Israel. A sensitive heart for both the need of man and the glory of God. And then lastly, the desperate general. Oh, hallelujah. The desperate general. Notice verses 11 through 15. Verses 11 through 15, and this is good. You know, it's good to have people around you that give you wise counsel, amen? Amen. Watch the counsel that you get. If your counsel is leading you away from obeying the Lord, run from that counsel. Sever and separate yourself from that voice and that person. That's not in the notes, but there's the story. Go ahead, let's go to verse 11. Naaman went away angry. He said, I thought uh, he'd surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord. And Naaman had a preconceived idea. And if we walk down the street and ask 20 people, are you going to go to heaven? Why? They're going to give you all their answers. They're going to tell you their gospel. This is why God ought to save me. I never killed anyone. Well, that's good. A lot of people never killed anyone. Well, I never. But how do you know God's not taking a poll? God has clearly mm-hmm. explained how all can come. He's not prejudiced against anybody. But there's only one way to come. Amen? He don't disqualify anyone. But there's only one way you can get it. Name and had a preconceived idea. Don't allow your preconceived ideas about God and how you think God should work and move to hinder you from receiving from God and flowing with God. That's the next one. He says, listen, aren't Abaddon, Par, Rivers, and Damascus better? They are. They were better. They were clearer. <laughs> they were. But that's not the point. He says, couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned up. He went off in rage. You mean to tell me if I don't believe in Jesus, I can't go to heaven. Well, yeah, right. I didn't write the book; I just share it. I just. Tell it. Said, Couldn't I? Couldn't I ever see that? Couldn't I just do this? Now, if God's telling you to do that, no, you can't just do this. See, now we get into the church. Now we get to the mm-hmm. saints, don't we? Mm-hmm. How many times God said, "This is what I want from you," and we make an excuse and we make it just. A- Couldn't I just? Isn't this good enough? Isn't between you and God. But I'm trying to tell you, if God's speaking to you, obey the Lord. Amen? No, don't, don't debate with God. Don't try to check her with God. I'll do this, Lord. I'll, t- I'll give more to missions. Just let me. If Naaman's riches didn't move me, why would your quarter move me? That's the next one. Naaman's servant went... Now, this, you know, this whole story... The servants are amazing, aren't they? A slave girl, a little servant, starts this whole miracle. I don't know if I was a kidnapped victim. I don't know how much I'd, compassion I'd have for them. I might be praying, Lord, I hope that thing crushes I, You know, I don't know what you, you know, someone kidnaps you. Let's be honest. Don't, don't look so pious out there. I know you're better than that. Amen. Isn't that true, though? Isn't that yes, true? Is. I might be praying, God, the judgment of God, that's what he deserves, taking me away from my home. You're acting pious, but I've seen you when lesser things have happened and you acted ugly. All right. Say amen. All right. Now, here's another. Here's, here's another servant. Here's another servant. Another servant. Again, if you're around people that are not helping you go farther in God, get away from them. If your advisors are not advising you in a way that obeys God, sever that thing. Run from that thing. Naaman's servant went to him and said, my father, listen, listen. I know he's thinking this. He wouldn't dare say this. I know you're you're a general. When you walk somewhere, people bow. General. When your troops come, nations cower. You're, 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 a, you're a valiant man militarily. God used him in wars to conquer. I mean, you're rich. You're second to the king. I mean, this is it. I know you're a proud man. And I know you're going to have to swallow your pride if you want to receive the goodness of God in your life. It wasn't hard to do outwardly. I mean, he'd come all that way, another 20, 30 miles, get to the river, seven times. That cancer that had your number, gone. It all it takes. Whew. Right? No chemo? No this? No, no. Just die. It's easy on the outward. You know where it's hard? On the inward. Seven times so that pride can die. Seven times so you can recognize you don't make the rules even though you're a big shot general. The God of Israel makes the rules. Naaman's servant went and said, Father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? Yeah. Sure, but then it just would have fostered up his pride even more. You see how that works? Then he could have said, how much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? God just wants your obedience. God just wants your surrender. God just wants all excuses laid aside and all what ifs and aren't that and couldn't that." And how about this? God says, no. I just want you to hear my voice and obey my command. So finally he did. Swallowed his pride. And he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God according to the word of the Lord. And his flesh was restored. Became clean like that of a young boy. And Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept this gift from your servant. Let's think about this. I'm going to wind this down, but I want you to think about it good. He wanted God's cure, but not God's prescription. Have you ever been there? He wanted God's help, but not God's instruction. Have you ever been there? He wanted God to bless his life, but then he rejected And he resisted the way that God wanted to bless his life. He had a preconceived idea of how God should work. And he had a problem of obedience. Very quickly, he needed the Lord. Amen? He needed the Lord. We all need the Lord, don't we? You know, the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all need the Lord. We all, like Naaman, have have a disease called sin that is incurable. The king can't cure it. Amen? Money can't cure it. All the, can't cure it. We are, every one of us, if you're a human being, you have a need for Jesus. You have something in your life that only Jesus can cleanse and heal and change. But he sought the Lord. He sought God. He heard. He had hope. And he sought the Lord. That's good. But what happened when he sought the Lord? When he sought the Lord, he didn't like the requirements of the Lord. And herein is the problem. Can you see that? But it's easy for someone to say, yeah, I'm a sinner. I, need, I got problems. Yeah, I know. I've, I've done some dumb things. We seek the Lord for a certain degree. So that God can help you. I'll seek him. But then once God begins to speak and brings out the requirements, he, he resisted the Lord. Actually, he actually got a little bit offended at the Lord. Can you imagine that? How proud and pious he was that the living God they was going to have mercy on someone that wasn't even part of the people of God. Had an incurable disease and God was going to heal them for nothing. Just a simple seven dips. Wow. Sought the Lord. He resisted the Lord. But then finally, thank God for good people around you that can speak good common sense to you. Amen. Thank God for good people encourage you in the Lord. Finally, he obeyed the Lord. He didn't half it. He didn't compromise it. He completely obeyed and boom. He was healed. Isn't that what the Bible tells us about salvation? We all have a need. And there's nothing we can do in ourselves to meet that need except come to Jesus and submit to His will and bow our hearts to Him. Amen? And you know, it works that way too. As a Christian, you see, once I'm saved, these principles don't change. As a Christian, if I want the blessing of God, I can't tell God. This is how I want the blessing. God speaks to me and says, this is how you're going to get the blessing. I can't just say because I'm a son. I can be a rebellious son and still be a son. Isn't that right? If I want the blessing of the Lord, I've got to follow the instructions of the Lord. And so whether I'm a sinner or a saint here, this story of Naaman speaks to all of us. We see a God that is loving, a God that is willing, a God that is full of compassion and power, but a God who says, if you want my blessing, you've got to have it my way. And I know there's some times in my life, I walk have with God a lot of years, a lot of years, where I was spinning my wheels, knocking my head. And i praying, and God almost interrupts. Did God ever interrupt your prayer time? He interrupted my prayer time. Yeah. You better you just finish this tongue stuff. Just stop that. You better forget binding this or binding that. The devil's not your problem. Praying louder and longer is not your problem. The problem is, in this area of your life, I've told you to do this, and you're not doing it. Well, my word has clearly said this, and you're not applying it. Now, basically, stop bothering me, God says, and do what I've already... And if you'll do that, son, you know I'll bless you, and you know I'll work in your life like I always have. And finally, you know, like Naaman... Finally, when he cries uncle, right? And he just does what God says to do. He comes up. He didn't have to plead with God. Didn't have to buy God off, did he? He just had to submit to God and obey God. All right. We're going to finish up here. And we're going to open the altars. And we're going to pray our final prayer. But there are four wonderful characters, many characters, but the four main characters of this story, that faithful servant, God help us, wherever we're at, to serve the Lord. Amen? Amen? Not to belittle our opportunities or our talents, but use them and let God really run with them. But, but secondly, let's remember the helplessness of man. What are you leaning on? What are you trusting in? Lean on the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Stand on His Word. There's so many things in this world that are good to a certain degree, but then they're limited. Amen? So look to the Lord. With, you know? Give to Caesar what's Caesar's, but look to God for what's God's. Remember the prophet. Because all of us as Christians have a prophetic role. Prophets hear from God, speak for God. Amen? And if we're Christians, we should be hearing heaven. We hear God. We speak for God. We're the ambassadors of the Lord. Amen? We, we see what's going on in the world, and we have the message of hope. And so let's be like this prophet and be faithful as we speak to those around us. But lastly, Naaman. God is so good. God is so compassionate. Let us not hinder God from working in our lives because we are unwilling to submit to His plan and to obey His prescription. Amen? Amen. Stand with me and we'll pray. Hallelujah. After we pray, we'll open these altars. And if you need prayer for anything, we'll pray with you. If. If you've never said yes to Jesus, please, don't leave before you do. Come down. Let someone pray with you. If maybe you just need to come and make a fresh altar and say, Lord, you know, I know you've been asking me to do X, Y, Z and I've been ignoring it and rebelling from it. Lord, I'm going to make a fresh altar today and I'm going to begin to obey you and walk with you. We pray, Father God, I want to thank You for this exciting story and the many truths and principles it gives us. Father God, help us to be like this faithful servant. Help us to be like this hearing prophet. Help us, O God, just to give ourselves to You in such a way where You can use us. You can use our lives wherever we're at, Lord. You can use us to speak Your Word to others. You can use us to touch others in Your name. To hear the hurt of others like You hear that hurt. And to faithfully and lovingly but clearly speak the word of truth to them. That that word might change them and transform them. Heavenly Father, use us as your people. As your instruments. Lord, I pray that if anyone's here today and like Naaman. They know they need you. They believe you can help them but they're struggling to submit and surrender to the clear words and instructions that you would give. Words that are words that are birthed from a heart of a father's compassion and love. Words that are intended to bring hope and healing. To bring strength and victory. Father, I pray give everyone within the sound of my voice a yielded, And a surrendered heart. Willing to submit. Willing to respond. Willing to obey. The word of the Lord. Willing to humble themselves afresh. And say oh God have your way in my life. Whatever your will is. I submit. I surrender. Oh God. Father I pray that as they give themselves to obedience. And humility. You will release in their lives the working of your mighty power like they've never experienced before. You would release the wave of your blessing in a measure, in an anointing like never before. Let this be the day that begins great turnarounds, that ignites fresh transformations in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, If you need to come to this altar, don't delay. Come and let's believe if you're sick and you need Jesus to heal you. He's here today as a healer. And he'll touch your body if you'll come believing. Let's worship the Lord.